I'd put you in my pocket Push the button through the hole to lock it Hold on to you, you like a treasure Walk across my hand, it'd be a pleasure You could come with me You could come with me Welcome to D-List of History, a podcast about people you probably didn't learn about in school. Uh, I am Faga, and I and am oh, yes. sorry. <laughs> sorry, I I'm, I'm Faga. Just just Faga. I'm just Faga. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Issa. I was just too excited to ever tell everybody my name. Just really excited to be here. I am um, so. Before we were on the mic, we were talking about uh, just sort of our general, just all over the placeness today. <laughs> yes, I am. As in, I am, almost yeah. most days. Yeah, I had um, the last two days have been kind of crazy for me. I had a tour guide who got sick in the middle of night tours. I feel oh, no. terrible for terrible for the guy, um, but it meant that I had to like on a day that I was not supposed to be working and I was supposed to be spending time with Ms. All, um, mm-hmm. I had to hop in the car and head downtown and run a tour. Um, oh, and then man. I had the first tour of the day the next day. And oh, man. So I'm just like having quite a lot. <laughs> I got you. I got you. That. I got there in the morning. And I was like, oh, I am still here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we can ask for, right? We're all here and almost one piece. We're here. We're excited about history. We are. Um, And we're going to talk about a part of history I don't know very much about. And this was really challenging for me in in a good way. But it was just there were a few moments when I was like, what am I doing to myself? (laughs) I feel that way all the time. (laughs) But this is a book that you suggested. And you actually mentioned on your TikTok and people were like, what's that? And you were Uh, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were like, yeah. well, and keep an eye I'm out. so happy. I'm so happy because I have not read it yet. So this is going to be, this is, I'm very excited to know what's inside this book. Yeah, I should, I should name drop the book. Let me just look it up, make sure I get the name oh, right. Oh, of course. So it's called The Cheese and the Worms <laughs> by Carlos yes. Ginsburg. Yeah. Carlo Ginsburg. It was originally written in Italian, which I think is part of the struggle I was having right. with the book. And then it was translated into English, which is what I read. Obviously. Yes. Do not do not speak Italian. And it's a really interesting book. And also it starts off with like the I, I this happens in books for nonfiction books for historians all the time when they're written by people who are academics. And they'll say, Oh, we wrote this so that it would be useful for academia, but also understandable to the layman. And mm-hmm. I really struggled to read this mm-hmm. book. And I mm-hmm. don't consider myself a layman per se. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not mm-hmm. an academic, but I'm also not a layman. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know how a layman was going to be reading this book. But yeah. uh, I read it so that you don't have to. You, the collective awesome. you. Yes. And hopefully I will do it justice. I'm excited. <laughs> so this is about a gentleman named Minocchio. Minocchio. Uh, Minocchio. And he was uh, born Domenico 
Scandella, I think is how it's pronounced. Okay. And the estimation, he's estimated that he was born in 1532 uh, in Italy. So this is part of my struggle is this is not my area of expertise. For sure. Yeah. But it's good to grow and expand <laughs> things. Yes. I'll tell you what, though, this Minocchio guy, he, uh, I would join his cult if he had a cult. Oh, man. So, I'm on board. He, do- he doesn't, I don't think. Mm-mm. I don't think. No. He does not have a cult. But I'll no. tell you what, I would join it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my cat is. I can't is wait to hear about why. Oh, good. Oh, good. Who's that? Which one? It's Ira. Ira. Ira loves being on camera like when i have therapy oh, he's always he's there so sweet. like anything he just wants to be on he's very upset because he can't access my lap right now oh, um yeah here you go baby come on you can do it yes ira you're gonna have to go faster ira don't, don't <laughs> so rush him lose don't rush him <laughs> <laughs> okay so minocchio uh estimated that he was born in 1532 he was a miller fun Montreal, Valencia, I think is how it's said. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure about this word. I'm going to put it in the chat and see. Oh my gosh. You can't do that, Ira. <laughs> He's like rubbing his head on my microphone. It's like, <laughs> you've lost your lap privileges. This is, this is going great. Oh no. Doing fantastic. There we are. Montreal. 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 And then I think this, it's Valencia, I think, because it's like the onion, I think. <laughs> I just found out that Julia Fox is, like, from Milan. Oh, cool. And because she was, like, I maybe or she's from, I don't know if she's from Milan or what, but she, like, speaks Italian. Um, wow. Yeah. And she was... Like on a, <laughs> she was trying. She was on a a podcast, and she was trying to ask these podcasters what what gabagool was, and they were like, "Oh, it's Capricola." She's like, "Oh, do you mean Capricola or something?" <laughs> <laughs> and she, they were like, "What the fuck?" Anyway, anyway, um, yeah, I have a well friend said. who lives half the year in Italy. Whoa, she's married to an Italian man. And they live half the year in Washington, D.C. and half the year in in Italy. Uh, although during the pandemic, they just fully moved to Italy at one point. They were just like, it. forget I this. Yeah. Um, which uh, would have made the same choice. So Montreal uh, is a town in the far, far northeast of Italy in the Alps. Okay. So this is cool for me because I've actually spent some time in the German Alps. So I yes. sort of kind of felt like I had a sense of, if not the geography necessarily, yeah. the like, yeah. vibe. Yes. So the current populations like today is, of uh, Montreal is 4,373. So that kind of okay. gives you an idea mm-hmm. of the size we're talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And there's been two notable people from there. One of them is Mino- Minocchio. Of course. So, uh, and the other person I've never heard of. So <laughs> that's the, that is, that's Montreal. Um, All right. It's part of the, oh God, Friuli region. Okay. Um, which was taken over by the Republic of Venice in the 15th century. And so the book starts out with all this, all this fuss about uh, the conflict between, between the Friuli lords and the Venetian authorities uh, mm. that I found deeply confusing because it was very like in-depth history that it kind of assumed I had that I didn't. Yes. Um, but the 
after doing some background research, what I gathered was that the feudal no that, that the feudal nobility did not want to give up power when the Republic of Venice took over. So the Republic of Venice did not function as a feudal state. Okay. Um, a feudal state, for anybody listening who didn't take the sort of medieval history, medieval European history 101, um, which is all I have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot um, more than me. Yeah. <laughs> that's when we think of like kings and knights and things like that. So how it worked was the the lord owns some a region like a piece of land and mm. there were peasants who would work the land and then they would pay uh to work the land to the feudal lord uh, if i'm remembering that correctly and then the feudal lord has to serve has to you know give allegiance to the king who then uh the king is providing like military safety okay to the lords i think that, that is like a very sketchy like general so you know it's 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 okay. the it's the monty python you know who lives in that yeah. castle i didn't vote for yeah. you you know right that right right so the feudal nobility in this region was not interested in no longer having that type of of political setup and actually apparently this region had feudalism far longer than anywhere else in europe like everybody else had had abandoned it mm -hmm. and friuli was like nope we're, we're sticking interesting to it. interesting and, so this is like yeah. late this is feudalism that's later than normal yeah so like most people okay. i guess have moved on from this system not that things were like so peachy uh but right but i can imagine some people were not so happy they were like our cousins are living over there in i don't know happy town and it's not happy town but it's like better than feudal town well Interestingly, um, oh. part of this revolt, this this like pushing against the Venetian authorities, included a peasant revolt in 1511 uh, that was done on behalf of the Friuli lords. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know that life for the average Friulian was necessarily any different. Huh. I don't know that, but that's my my gut is that like they're. If you were like, like Minocchio, you're just a miller, just living your life, like whether it's a lord in the castle or the Venetian authorities, like I don't think life, day-to-day -day life was that different. Between people living under a feudal state and people not living under a feudal state? In this context, yes. Interesting. Okay. I mean, it's sort of like we talk about um, when World War, I think it was World War One happened. Uh-huh. They went out to these like villages in Russia and were like, hey, you have to fight on behalf of Russia. And they were like, what's Russia? Uh -huh. Like, <laughs> right, right, like, right. Because they, because their life was yeah. so divorced from yeah. what was going on uh, in, yeah. like, I guess it was St. Petersburg at the time. It's the other yeah. history I don't know very well, Russian history. Yeah. Um, that's my but, perception. Yeah. Okay. Um, so if somebody who knows better sends us a message, I will correct that because that is not. I'm not confident in that. Um, sure. But what I am confident in is that the Inquisition <laughs> was happening. Um, Inquisition Word. is, I'll be honest, my first introduction to the Inquisition was Monty Python. Uh, as, like, for, as many of us. Nobody expects yes. the Spanish Inquisition. The Inquisition. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, and then Mel Brooks. Brooks. <laughs> okay, yeah. I always, I they're together in my head because, like, you don't know, like all 
Jewish or vaguely Jewish families. That was Monty Python is canon. kind of um yeah. It's not people, Jewish, but like no, we but are obsessed it. with it. Yeah. I because it's a very similar type of comedy. So I saw them as like I didn't yeah. as as a kid, I did not differentiate them in my head. It was like Mel Brooks, Monty Python, those were was, those yeah, were the I guys. I was definitely introduced to them in a similar time in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and was obsessed with them at a similar yeah. time in my life. Right. Uh so, so yeah, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> and also uh, Mel Brooks's Inquisition song. Of course. Which in- includes all sorts of terrible things happening to people. But the Inquisition song, the Inquisition song, um, I will say I rewatched it recently. And I um, two things is that it, it is a it is a it is a trip because it is it both includes brutality and torture on the level that I don't think that they should have uh, done. But the dance number part is very funny, <laughs> I think. I mean, I feel like Mel Brooks's humor and I'm, I'm willing to be corrected on this, but I feel like a lot of his humor is actually a rare instance of like it reflected the time. And I think maybe part yeah. of my feeling on this is partially because, I'll be honest, I was shocked that Mel Brooks didn't get pulled up in Me Too. Mm. And maybe I just don't have enough faith in my fellow is he? Did he do some bad stuff? Not that I know of. And that's the thing. Oh. Is I was just like, while that was going on, I was just waiting. Oh, you're just like I waiting like, for that to happen. Yeah. yeah I, was, I mean, I don't think he, from, my, from all accounts, I don't think he's a bad guy. Like, right. So right? I guess given given that given it just seemed like if there was something, it would have come up. Like somebody would have said something. Yeah. During all that, because I don't know, he's just such an easy target. Um, but I don't. I don't think he's a bad guy. Like I think. Well, that's he's, my point, and so that yeah. gives me a little more like okay, you know. No, he's Millbrooks is really interesting. He gets into like kind of the extremes of quote-unquote dark Jewish humor yeah. um, where you make the oppressor into something that's funny and ridiculous. And it's really – Inquisition I find really interesting because he does take it too far, I think, where, like, no, he should not have put, like, used images of Jews at that time, um, you know, being tortured in the song as something that's funny but the sh- it would have been just as good if they had done that without the torture parts like the actual dance number part is i find on its own extremely funny and very like very joyful and just like very silly but then he kind of messes up the whole thing with the yeah, it's it's yeah, a rough have, it's a rough situation. Yeah. No, I have, I have a lot of complicated feelings about it. Yeah, and I have complicated feelings about a lot of Mel Brooks's um work. Yeah, I'm, um, no, yeah, it's not as both it's a, not yeah. as both a Jew <laughs> as both a Jew and a queer person. Yeah, it's um, it's not a it's not one hundred percent great. Yeah, like I I would be lying. If I said I never sing along to the producers in the car. Oh, I love the producers. <laughs> but there's a few moments that I know other queer people don't love. And sure. I yeah. I respect their feelings on that. Of and course. I 
will absolutely be singing it when I am in the privacy of my own space when nobody sure. else is impacted by it. Yes, <laughs> um, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, so the Inquisition. Anyway, the Inquisition. Um, my other yeah. perception of the Inquisition is really very based on the Jewish experience in the Inquisition, which is what right. was I, – I ran into this really interesting thing with this because I wanted to look it up and make sure that my definitions were correct. Okay. And so – I did what I usually do, which is go to Wikipedia. And I am a fan of Wikipedia because you can check its sources. Me too. I love it. And I know we we probably, we, we both, I imagine, grew up in a time when teachers were like, boo, Wikipedia. Boo, Wikipedia. Boo, accessible um, information. That's crowdsourced. Yeah, but apparently Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica is okay, whatever. So, but this yeah. is a good example of why it's important to check the sources on Wikipedia. because You, you gotta check I, the sources. I, I looked at it and I got this definition, which I think is correct. This Inquisition mm-hmm. was any court-based Roman, is any court-based Roman law but it effectively meant trying people in ecclesiastical courts. Yeah. And that made sense to me based on my knowledge of Jewry in in Philadelphia, many Uh of whom were the descendants of people who escaped the Spanish Inquisition and the Inquisition of Portugal and so forth. Yeah. Um, And they were tried based on the fact that they were Jews. Yeah. Essentially. And... I knew intellectually that it didn't just come for Jews, that it came for... Um, dissenters, heretics. Dissenters of all sorts. Of all sorts, and, yeah. Yeah. I just don't think about it very often because that's just yeah. not a central part of my experience. Yeah. But on the Wikipedia article, and in this book, by the way, this uh-huh. book made sort of a passing reference to like, oh, people think the Inquisition was so terrible. And like, it wasn't good, but like, it's not that bad. And... I thought weird. that was a weird thing to say, but it <laughs> moved gone quickly, and I was already super lost in all of this, like, feudal politics. Uh-huh. Um, and then when I went to look it up on Wikipedia, I saw this pers- this thing again. This, that, like, like other Inquisition it's worse than – it, it's better than that, people thought it was. Well, like, it was sort of like, this is just a legal code. It's not, uh-huh. like and, – and I was like, this doesn't feel – like – <laughs> right, because of what I know what happened to the right. the ancestors of the Jews who came to Philadelphia. Yeah. And so I clicked on the little like reference thing on Wikipedia. Yeah. And the what it referenced was you had to go uh it was a like a wayback machine. Great. Thing. Okay. Which is always a little Oh, was a good start. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it went to a blog from like some Franciscans, like a blog oh, hell from no. Franciscans. No, no, and no. It was, yeah, and it. I read the blog, and it was literally said things like, "Oh, well, it just went after heretics," and I'm like, "Yes, <laughs> yes, just the heretics, just the heretics." So, yeah, I the so only check your sources. <laughs> yeah, um, let me just see something. So. To be clear, the Inquisition, um, yeah, it was really, really bad. The, I don't know how many thousands of Jews fled the Inquisition, and that's why there are Sephardim, right? Yep. Like, mm-hmm. at all. Like, that is an entire, and, and yeah, no, Ashkenazis like, fled also. Um, yeah, but, like, my, my wife's family, if yeah. you go back, like they think of themselves as being from the Middle East because they were for so long. Yep. But if you go back far enough, they end up in like Spain or Portugal or someplace like that. Yeah. And they move to the Middle East because it was safer. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I see a, another article. Historians say the Inquisition wasn't that bad. It was that bad. Uh, it was that bad. Uh, many people died. Many people were, gen- it was a genocide. Um, yeah. And, you know, you were forced to, the only reason I have any knowledge about it at all is I, I wrote an article about a crypto Jew um, or mm-hmm. a, a formerly a crypto Jew, now a, not a non-crypto Jew. Um, like just a that Jew. is a, just a Jew, <laughs> you know, just now, just a, and you know, one could say, and, and he would say, you know, as I would say too, he was always a Jew. Um, sure. It's a fascinating freaking history that very few people know about. And I didn't know anything about it, but this, the, the entire history of crypto Jews who were forcibly converted into Catholicism and Christianity and, or no, Catholicism and continued Jewish tradition very quietly and in altered ways for hundreds of years and only married each other. Crypto Jews are a Jewish population that were secretly Jewish for hundreds of years and only married each other and literally like kept an altered form of kosher. And he, it's absolutely fucking fascinating. And now there's a huge debate, which is obviously stupid um, in a lot of ways and Ashkenormative normative and orthodox normative and a lot of stuff that, you know, of the, of whether these Jews are Jews. I'm saying that with, you know, quotation marks because they are. Because a lot of them fled to Argentina when mm-hmm. it was like, and places, places like Argentina and Brazil, when it was like, when it was being colonized by, it's really fucking complicated. When it was coloni- being colonized by the Dutch, Yes. Um, because the Dutch were like relatively okay with Jews for a while. And the Dutch but- are actually the reason the Jews ended up in New York, by the way. And wow. the Inquisition. It's a crazy That story. makes so much sense. <laughs> wow, that yeah. makes so much sense. I didn't think of that. <gasps> a boat of, so of Jews. Yes. A boat of Jews heading back to Europe when Brazil was taken over by uh, Portugal got waylaid by pirates and ended up in New York. It's what? Oh yeah. my god, I need to learn all about this. But anyway, yes, then Portugal took over. Now it's not okay again. They're like, damn it. In a much... <laughs> damn it. Well, a million times larger than that. And then crypto Jews uh, did their more crypto Jewish things. Until now. And there are still these yeah. communities of people who are now, only now, like coming into the public and yeah, learning and, and, and reconnecting know. to more Judaism. A lot do not know. Like, yeah, like I know somebody, like I, I went to a conference, a tourism conference and to tour guides, we, we love saving a buck. So, um, <laughs> somebody's like in-laws had a timeshare that you could like trade to whatever. What ended up happening was it was a place that had like five bedrooms. And so, if we all like put in for it, it was cheaper than getting hotel rooms. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know everybody who was in there. I knew the person who had the connection to the timeshare. And this, there was this woman there who was from somewhere in Latin America. I forget where. Still Facebook friends with her. Um, Mm -hmm. And she was telling me about how her family, like she had a menorah and they lit office candles and all these things, but she thought she was Catholic and yeah. she didn't know that other Catholics didn't do these things. Yeah. And she she had made the choice to convert officially. Um, wow. Which is her own personal decision. And, uh-huh. um, and but it was just it was it was interesting. Yeah. Um, this is so this is exactly. Sorry. Wait, I interrupted you. 
Oh no, no that was that was okay. Ago. No, this is, <laughs> this is this is. I know it's a little bit of an aside from what we are here to talk about today, but it is really like fascinating history that not many people know about that I think is really and it's more pertinent interesting and it is so it is so so this artist that I was talking to now I'm what is his I have to find out what his name is so he um this artist I was talking to did not know that they were crypto Jews until he was 18 because family didn't tell him because it was very 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 hush hush a lot of, and he says in his community, a lot of people don't even know that they're Jewish at all. And like you were saying, like, it just, it's not known <laughs> that they're Jewish. So even though they do all these things, because, and the way that he, so yeah, his, his, the way his parents met and they did not know for a very long time that they were Jewish. It's like a, a family secret. And he, um, they, the way, because only crypto, the, the craziest part to me is that crypto Jews married each other. Like they kept that yeah. the Jewish community and they, um, they, what they called it, I don't know what the exact term was, but he says it basically translates to pure. Like you can mm -hmm. only marry another and that family in that tradition, you can only marry another pure person. And the same thing goes for like, they're like a, a different version of, kosher laws like we only mm -hmm. eat in a pure quote-unquote pure way and so it's all of these I find it so absolutely fascinating just how ingrained Jewish tradition is in people after you've been doing that you know for thousands of years that you people will not give it up people will not yeah. give up lighting candles and and keeping or keeping kosher if that's what they do or or marrying other Jews be, even when you have been forcibly convert, converted by a state. Um, and so the only, and one of the really interesting things is also we know, I'm going to try to remember if I'm remembering this right, we know of certain Jewish, crypto-Jewish traditions and how far they go back because of trials, because of um, people that were being accused, this was the first time I'd heard of this term, but being accused of Judaizing. <laughs> That's the, the term. term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to start using that. Like, do you, yeah, I'm going to, I have a uh, Friday night. I'm going to go Judaize at, at, uh, at Cold Senec. <laughs> come with me. Um, but um, if you are accused of Judaizing, then I think that's where they would get some of the information of like, you know, how, you know, what these traditions looked like and how they've been kept for a really long time. Anyway, really fascinating stuff. The other thing is, fun fact, is that my grandmother, uh, my Ashkenazi grandmother, does not like, never liked that my name is Isabella um, because of the Queen, is <laughs> Queen Isabella. She was like, why are um, you naming your daughter this? I almost um, got in a fight at a tourism conference. It was a familiarization tour. We called them fam tours. And uh -huh. there's this guy from <sighs> Bolivia, I think, is where mm -hmm. he's from. Um mm -hmm. And he was giving us this little, like, you know, we were walking around the National Mall, and there is a statue of Isabella um, right by the White House. Mm. Um, it's part of the, um, I forget the name of the organization. It's like the UN for North and South America. But I forget what it's called. Mm. It's like the Association of American States, or I forget, something like that. But they yeah. have a statue of Queen Isabella. And uh -huh. he was going on and on about how great she was and how blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I, like, lost it. Yeah. Um, in, in the way that I lose it, where I was like, she also, like, committed a genocide. Right. 
and he got right. It didn't go well. Yeah. Um. So anyway. <laughs> anyway, Inquisition. It was a genocide. Um, Don't let nobody tell you different. That's yeah, the so moral I'm gonna of the story. Yeah. So I'm going to pause and get more coffee. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, I am back. All right. All right. Uh, so, Inquisition, bad. Yes. Um, and so the Inquisition, from my just looking into it, it seemed like it really, it operated kind of like the Sassy in East Germany. It was very mm. much like a snitch system. Yeah. And that we we know from modern history how that impacts a society, that you don't know who is going to snitch on you. Yes. Uh, yes. And that has a massive impact on I mean, your mental health, essentially. Yes, um, yes. So, Minocchio grew up in this. Um, he's a miller, which is a skilled profession. Uh, so give, it gave him more access to the nobility and the larger community because, mm-hmm. you know, peasants would bring their their grains to be milled or whatever. And the nobility were also going to the miller for their grains to be milled and so forth. And okay. uh also, to be a miller, you had to like pay rent to the local noble. Mm-hmm. Um, so it he he would have existed in this sort of in between place in this class structure that okay. existed. He claimed in his interrogations that he was poor, but he did seem to have at least some social and financial capital. Yeah, um, yeah. Wasn't he the mayor of his town at some point? Yes, yes. Yeah. So I don't know. If he was just trying to make them feel bad for him or if he was one of those people who was like, I'm so poor. And you're like, yeah. come on, man. <laughs> you are not. Yeah. Um, but maybe but, compared to the like nobility. And yeah. I, it's hard to it's hard to know what he meant by that. Yeah. But he like he he rented multiple mills mm-hmm. that were considered property of the feudal lord. He was exiled for two years for brawling. And during that two year time, he was able to. <laughs> Uh yeah. So um that is, that's pretty funny. <laughs> uh he was able to rent another mill during that Committed two year period. brawler. Yeah. Love it. Uh so convicted was, brawler. That's like convicted yes. brawler. Yeah. I love for a second all I could see were were Pikachu's ears. <laughs> but, <laughs> so he wasn't like wealthy or anything, but he wasn't right. destitute. Right. Uh, on this I, I tried to include as many quotes of his as I could because it's really cool. First of all, it's cool we have quotes of this guy from, you know, 15-whatever. Oh, yeah. And also, he's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so here's a quote about about how he feels about this sort of place he existed in in life. Everything belongs to the church and to the priests, and they oppress the poor, who, if they work two rented fields, these will be fields that belong to the church, to some bishop or cardinal. Mm-hmm. So he's he is coming like it is. He's coming for them. Yes, he is. Let's see. He really was like harsh. He, he really was on the church um, and was kind of forgiving towards local secular authorities. He kind of mm-hmm. said that they just weren't paying attention. Like if yeah. the secular authorities were doing their jobs, they would stop this, which I disagree. <laughs> um, but uh, that was his perception of what was happening in his world. Um, he was a community leader, like you said. Yep. Fifteen eighty one. He was Pikachu mayor. is Pikachu is licking my butt. I don't know why. I have pants <laughs> on. I, he's grooming. He's grooming my butt. 
I it means he loves you. He it means he's trying to he's dominating me. And I think I've realized I've learned that I think Pikachu's style of grooming is one where he is in charge like he's like no it's because i am the head of the house <laughs> um anyway it's very weird and it's wet um <laughs> sorry so i got Never a little distracted with cats <laughs> really um it? anyway so he's a, he was a community leader in 1581 he was mayor of Mon- montreal and he was also at camera Ca- Camera camararo hmm? um which is like a church admin for his okay. local church. Okay. But he gets reported to the Inquisition. The person who reported him was probably the local priest, Don Ottavio Montreale. He was a member of the local feudal family, as his name would suggest. Mm-hmm. This was really common because these families would have all these kids and the boys would all be potentially, uh, you know, have the right to some piece of, of the of the inheritance, or at least even if they didn't have the legal right to it, they, you know, wanted it, uh, but they didn't, wouldn't be given it, it would just go to the firstborn. And so a lot of them would go into the church because that was a way of still living the life they were accustomed to, but not having okay. to worry about the fact that they weren't going to have access to land. I don't know if that's what this guy's situation was, but that hmm. was common as I understand it. Okay. But luckily, for him, uh, M- Minocchio was childhood friends with the vicar of uh, Pul- uh, Pulcencio, I think. Okay. I'm going to send this to you because I'm less less confident about this one. Let's find out. I don't know how much. Oh, let's see. Pulcenigo. Pulcenigo. Okay, I wasn't sure Pulcenigo. what to do with that G. Yeah. Okay, so he's the victor of Pulcenigo. Uh, I think. G- <laughs> I think Polgenigo. It's somewhere yeah. between there. Uh, yeah. Named Giovanni Daniel uh, Mechiori, okay. who told Minocchio to give himself up to the Inquisition willingly, but don't volunteer any information. So he basically said to his childhood friend, look, go, you know, go, don't try to hide. Like, just go to them, but mm-hmm. don't run your mouth. <laughs> Like, okay. <laughs> and you'll see uh, this was good advice. Okay. Clearly he knew Minocchio. <laughs> pretty well to give this advice got it. it was not got it. uh uh melchiori had also had a run-in with the inquisition and was found to be quote lightly suspect okay which is my favorite uh, <laughs> yeah it's awesome <laughs> yeah somewhere on on some list i'm definitely listed as lightly suspect yeah I just want to, I just like, I, I relate to that. You know, I know I'm not on any like, you know, oh, she's Antifa or whatever. I'm, but like, right. I'm sure somewhere someone is like, yeah, lightly suspect. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Same. Um, <laughs> D-listers so, of history, lightly suspect. Yes. Of perhaps what? even more than lightly suspect. <laughs> um, uh, so in 1583, he was tried, he being Minocchio, uh, was tried mm-hmm. for heresy. Got it. And this is how we know anything about this guy because the Inquisition, mm-hmm. like the Nazis, <laughs> took really good yes. notes. Yes, uh, so did. we know exactly what happened in every single one of his trials or his, mm. his interrogations. Mm-hmm. Um, just super interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. So at first he seemed to be careful about what he had to say, but uh, clearly was just like physically incapable of keeping that up for any <laughs> length of time. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. That's just. <laughs> I, I like hard, like hard relate. Like I. I... <laughs> no, I love this guy. We would have been friends. I, we would have one hundred percent been friends with this guy. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'm just imagining like. Hard relate. Like if I if I, like I'm just imagining myself, you know, being like tried at the Inquisition, and I'm like, well, I'm already at the end of my rope. Let me just tell you how I feel. <laughs> well, and it's even better than that because he he said that he'd always wanted to talk about religion with learned people. Amazing. So I mean, this, is like, this is my chance. This is my chance. So also- it was like he's tired of talking to all these dipshits in his in his little village. He wants, he wants to talk so, to some people who like new stuff. That's <laughs> so funny. Oh my god! I it's not funny because it's the Inquisition, but it's also very funny. The yes. this is also this reminds me of my I I think I may have told you, or in some sense, or you maybe you saw on my my social me my social meds my social medias on uh, how I had this twenty minute long Uber ride with uh, the anti semite yes. conspiracy theory. So scary. It was fucking scary, but also like in a Minocchio moment, I should have just kept my mouth shut. I should have just. <laughs> I should have just, but it was that inability. I was like, but then this and this and this. And I was like, I should have just kept my, my mouth shut. But, um, <laughs> you know. Oh, it's like anytime I talk about politics with my boss, there's this <laughs> moment where I'm like, I really should just shut up. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so Minocchio is like, I, you know, I've been wanting to talk to like a priest or, or, or a prince or a pope or something. I want to talk to, I want to talk to the guy in charge because I've got thoughts that I want to like hash out with people. Yeah. So he was smart and he knew it. And uh, he was excited to talk to other people who were smart and uh, had read, were well read. And that's the thing is he was well read. And that is the central, what I found to be the central thing of this, that for me as somebody who is not well versed in the era seemed to be like the pullout most important piece of this was the existence of the printing press because he had access to books and he made use of that access to books. So when he was asked, yes. So when he was asked where he got his ideas, he said the devil. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Which I mean, if you're being interviewed by the inquisition, that's probably the right answer. (laughs) Because, like, you know, by your definitions, the devil. Uh, classic. Yeah, so I, like- I also, I just, this is another person I wish could have had Twitter, you know. Oh, my God, yes. Oh, yeah. I would read this guy's Twitter. So, he goes in the uh, category of people we'd follow on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of, um, a lot of this book was sort of tracking down what books he probably read. Because a, his his home was searched, but the Inquisition only wrote down the things that were illegal. So there would have been a lot of books that would have been pertinent that, uh-huh. I guess, to somebody who's familiar with what would have been available to someone like Minocchio at the time, uh-huh. um, were definitely like big influencers. How or he mentioned them in his in the Inquisition, um, but they weren't illegal, so they weren't written down. Uh-huh. But uh, what he, what we do know he had, which was super illegal, was a copy of the Bible in the vernacular. Okay. And this, this was, 
I, I should note this is oh, post Luther. Interesting. This, Right. So this is post-Luther, yeah. but Minocchio is very, very clear in that he has no, like, interest in Lutherans and all that. Um, uh -huh. I wonder how much of that is just sort of a, like, us and them kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, like, the Lutherans are, are them over there. Yeah, uh, yeah. But... Uh, I don't know that. But he had a copy of the Bible in the vernacular, and that was okay. very illegal because once people start yeah. reading the Bible, they start having their own ideas about what's yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. So that was a really key thing with the Catholic Church at the time was not permitting that, that only people who could read Latin would be able to uh -huh. uh, access the holy text. Right. Oh, I, I linked to the Wikipedia because I was like, there's too many books open he had lots of influences the big ones though that comes up a lot is we're gonna give this a go <laughs> il uh fioretto della bibbia um which is a catalan chronicle uh by several art authors with a variety of thoughts um including a supposed history of the world oh, wow. um and he bought this in Venice. Like, he bought it himself. Okay. Um, and some of the writings are 200 years old, uh, okay. which I think is really interesting that something yeah. that old was still, like, pertinent. Yeah. And it just shows how different the the speed at which information is processed Yeah. Today. What was that book about? Um, let me make sure I'm remembering the right one. Um... Oh, that one, it was unclear to me because it's basically just like, it seems like it's like a bunch of essays. Uh -huh. So I, I wrote a variety of thoughts, including a history of the world. So that meant that when I wrote it down, I didn't really understand what it was. Yeah, I think I looked into this and I was like, I don't understand what this book was. But <laughs> I, yeah. but it's important. Um, okay. Because he, he references it extensively. He also, by the way, Minocchio has a tendency. I do this too. Uh I just, I really feel this guy. Um, yeah. He would reference things and say, I got it from this book. And he, ab and the the author of, of The Cheese and the Worms would say, like, that is not what was said in that book. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, well, this is, this is what happens. I know, I don't know about it's you. It's how the like, human mind works. It's like, how the human mind works. It's like, there's like this, like, you read something you learn something and then you have all these very clear notes at that time and then you keep referencing something and then sometimes it can become just like a story that you tell yourself that like if you if you that like it morphs a little bit and then like mm -hmm. three years later you're like oh, i have to check my notes on that again and then you're like oh fuck that was <laughs> what have i been talking about <laughs> i've done like, that so many times i've done like and like Usually, I mean, like, I'd say I'd like to think that most of the time, you know, it's still it's it's like it's still true. It's just like, oh, that's not where that came from. It's like it's a, it's from a different thing and whatever. And right. Or he would he often did with something that I have definitely done. or I've seen other people do where it's like you read something and then it's been so long and your yeah. brain sort of like smushes it around. It makes it yeah. something new. Yeah. Um, the other book that was really important was. uh I'm going to give it a go. Uh, Il, Il Cavi, Cavillaire Zuan de Mandavilla. That was really bad. Um, it's an <laughs> Italian translation of the Book of Travels attributed to Sir John Mandeville. Okay. And this is a really important book. He was a Englishman who did genuinely travel, but then – so there's, like, part of the text is, like, real, and then the other part is just, like, made out of just 
whole cloth completely made up. Uh-huh. Mandeville, he made some stuff up about a bunch of okay. places. Yes. And but what's important is not the the accuracy of his his travels, his right. his writings of his travels in this context anyway. Mm-hmm. What's important is that it really shook Minocchio's world mm. because it was his first view that there were people in other places who lived differently. Mm. And this book was not a was it not? Oh, maybe it was legal. I don't think it was legal. Um, I think mm. people. Oh, it wasn't. I don't think it was illegal because I think the idea was that people would read it and say, "Oh, look at these like savages." Right. But Minocchio looked at it and said, "Well, if if God like does all this stuff, mm. like why don't these people know about Him? Mm. Therefore, there must be more than one way of living, mm. you know, righteously, which." in today's world is is not that like bananas a thing to think like that's yeah. actually a very common um i definitely grew up with people saying things like uh there's many paths to god and things like yeah. that yeah 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 so he he read a bunch a ton of books um those were the really important ones oh and there's a book that we don't know what it was um mm-hmm. it was just described but there the the sort of accepted like most likely explanation for this mystery book is that it was a quran cool translated into italian which did exist yes yes um there's a super interesting history um which speaking of speaking of things that uh speaking of of things that shook me uh minocchio may have been shook by this idea that other places existed in the world i was shook by Uh the idea that minocchio had access to a quran yeah this is i mean this is a absolutely fascinating history of I'm, I don't I actually I can't say for certain exactly how the Quran started getting translated. But if you think about it, like he it is makes pretty, sense. It makes sense. He's pretty close to Andalusia. He's mm-hmm. like not super far from the Moorish country. What's ju- has recently been a Moorish country. And there was a lot of interest I don't remember the dates in when the Quran starts getting translated, but it's a really fascinating history and it gets fucked up so fast, as you can imagine. Well, that's why you're not supposed to like there's as I understand yeah. it, you're not supposed to tra- translate the Quran, at least in, in a religious. Yeah, like, it's yeah, I, I, I think I think it's OK for like if you're just reading it as a non-Muslim or whatever. But yeah, it's kind of like- really. Oh, and that, and that makes a lot of sense because. Like what ends up happening a lot. I'm a fierce defender of Edward Said and pretty much everything he wrote. Um, And Orientalism is perhaps one of the best books I've ever read. And he very clearly outlines how the Quran and other Muslim writings start being like translated in Western Europe and then start getting mistranslated. And then those Mm -hmm. mistranslations horrific mistranslations are what are referenced for decades and decades and decades and decades. Um, well, and not just and, of the Quran, like of Right, the it's Bible. many things. Like <laughs> that, like tra- that as well. Yeah. 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 Um, like oh, the well, King that's... James King James translation is is a is a time. And we could oh, go yeah. on about that as uh, yes. I do not read Hebrew, but he some of these books he owned, the one book he bought, like I said, in Venice, um, it actually had how much he had paid for the book. And it was some currency that I 
did not have any <laughs> reference for. Flingleberries. Yes. It was a little bit like that. In my brain, I kept calling it two zuzim. Because uh, it was two something. <laughs> <laughs> so in my brain, it was always two zuzim. Um, nice. Good price. Good Passover price. Passover fame. Yes. He also, so he would read these books and he read them with his own intellectual worldview in place, which impacted how he read them. Sure. Which we all do. And so that's why, part of why his recollections don't really match what is exactly written in the books. A mm. lot of them are also loaned to him by other people. Mm. Uh, like especially his vicar friend mm-hmm. who was lightly suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have conversations with other intellectually curious people, both from the peasantry and above him. He was especially fond of chatting with a converted Jew named Simon. Cool. I have so many questions about Simon that will never be answered. Yeah. I love how every time he's mentioned, he's called the converted Jew, which I think he's says conver- a lot. So he's converted to Judaism or no, he's converted he's from converted out of Judaism? Oh, he's a converso. Okay. Yeah. But he, he's like homeless. He can't be like, he, he apparently it's couldn't get work. Yeah. And he yeah. was constantly a converted Jew. Like I just, it, right. it's the sort of thing that like I know about what our experiences were in yeah. Europe at that time but yeah it was just interesting to read it as not the central thing it was just he was just this guy who uh-huh. unsurprisingly being a Jewish person was always interested in chatting about religion like many Jews yeah. are I'm not surprised that he had this makes a lot of sense anyway I'm excited to hear about what he wrote about but yes from what from what I so, understand it makes a lot of sense that he was talking to a a Jewish person quote unquote, yeah. converted Jew yeah Yes. The peasant culture at the time, which is important to understand Minocchio as well, it was very much rooted in the natural world. Mm. Um, the world of Minocchio and other peasants and the church and the, you know, the, the aristocrac- aristocracy, that's, mm-hmm. that's a much more modern term. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the lords and things like that mm-hmm. were so, so separate where they would look at the same thing and come to completely different conclusions. Sure. I wrote as an aside that the way it was described in the book reminded me of the separation we see between us and our friends and the like MAGA crowd where it's like, we'll look at the same piece of information and it's, it's like, yeah, once it's like we're looking through different mirrors or something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So it's very much like that. Yeah. But he believed nowadays sounds pretty tame (laughs) Um, but it was a big deal at the time and he was inconsistent in his interrogations Uh, we don't know if that's because he was inconsistent or because he was like you know in prison and being interrogated extensively yeah yeah or if he was just trying to like not get in trouble and had forgotten what he had said you know we we don't know but here's his overall what what the guy believed so uh, his overall belief was that the only sin was to harm one's neighbor so he said that, like, blaspheme, to blaspheme was like tearing one's own cloak. It only hurts you. Uh-huh. And he, he admitted, he said, you know, it, it also hurts God, but he thought of God as, like, a father, father figure. So mm-hmm. that, you know, God would forgive. Kind of like if a child says, like, God, Dad, I just hate you. Like, uh-huh. the parents usually, <laughs> like, kind of like, if you're a well-adjusted parent, uh, uh-huh. usually your reaction to that is like, okay, kid. You know, yeah, um, yeah. That was his sort of perception of how God would view blaspheming. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he reduced religion to morality, which uh-huh. nowadays we think of as what religion is, but absolutely right. was not what it was at the time. Interesting. Let's Very see. He doesn't think we know 
what religion is true? Like I said, uh, Sir John Mandeville's book like shook him. Uh huh. Uh huh. Learning about all these different societies that had these wildly different ways of living, like just really seemed to impact his his view of the world. Yeah. For example, there was this idea of three rings that came from one of these books he read that he seemed to really appreciate. The three rings are the three Abrahamic religions. Huh. So like Christianity, Islam, and Judaism, and this right. idea that they are all valuable and they are all valid, basically. Huh. A quote from him is that he was born a Christian and so desired to live as a Christian. But if he had been born a Turk, he would have wanted to remain a Turk. Huh. This is yeah. such a, like, this, again, this is so, like, exactly what you're saying. Like, in like in today's world, you know, obviously lots of people are Christian nationalists and don't believe this. Yes. But, like, this was so, you know, I grew up Unitarian and this was, like, very run-of-the-mill. <laughs> but yes, for him this is this is super radical and yeah yes. obvious obviously to the point of uh this is an imprisonable offense to believe that um <laughs> to believe these well things. and also like we hear this too today of a lot of people who are reclaiming culture and so forth i mean this is essentially mm-hmm. what he's saying before that conversation is like mm-hmm. you are who you are and you should be right. who you are right whatever that is right And another quote from him, God has given the Holy Spirit to all Christians, to heretics, to Turks, and to Jews. And he considers them all dear, and they are all saved in the same manner. Work. But I will note for the listener, when he (laughs) says a Turk, he means means He means a Muslim. Yeah. 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 Which is like, because that's that's what's happening at the time. The Ottomans are there. They're people. And like, there's... I, I really, this is one of those, maybe this is my version of like the Inquisition wasn't so bad, but there is like a, <laughs> there is a, there is debate over how the Ottoman quote unquote invasion happened oh, and yeah. no, I've, like I've heard about how yeah. violent it really was. It's a big question mark for me. I, I really haven't I, I, d- I do done know. too much intense reading about it, but there's a lot to be said for, you know, they were not the violent hordes that modern, that Europeans, white Europeans today will still say that they are. And modern Islamophobia um, yes. is based in, you know, this fear of Turks and Ottomans. and um, Yeah, well, Russell. I mean, Moorish Spain was a pretty great place to be a Jew. Um, it was wonderful. I would, if, if this is, that's one of the places... When people say, like, could you go back and if you were going to go back and visit any place, any time, you know, we're pretty limited uh, as to where we would want to go. But I would say definitely the two places would be 100 percent Moorish Spain and um, the early the 1700s Poland, probably. Yeah, I would just love to have that plus germ theory. Like every time someone talks <laughs> about that, I'm like, I realize it's so it's such a complex. That's a really good point. That's a really good but point. I really I'm- struggle. <laughs> I really struggle with this idea of living in any time where there's no water purification. Like I really, yeah, really struggle. So in that with case, it. then um- more Spain. <laughs> That, in that case, then Moorish Spain definitely wins out because they have they're way more advanced um, yes, in were. terms of in terms of like medical science. Like yes, so, they, they then really you're were. you're so right. And then actually <laughs> on on top, then like, but honestly, grand scheme of things, 
it was apparently most most uh anthropologists agree that it was like just way more healthy and pleasant to be in on turtle island at that point so probably yeah and any place that was predominantly muslim as i understand it during that time frame was doing pretty well yeah um because there was a big focus on education uh, in muslim Mm -hmm. countries at that time um so other things minocchio believed that were heretical uh he did not think mary was a virgin and he based this on i love this his entire basis of this was have you ever seen a kid born from a virgin (laughs) he's got a really good point yeah (laughs) again a great point (laughs) um he thought that jesus was a prophet not a god or maybe he was he was a person who was chosen to be son of god maybe yeah um but not born as the son of god yeah Uh, yeah this really feels very like if he had a Quran, this would make a lot of sense. He's speaking my language, and that is uh that's what the Quran says. So yeah. yeah. That the Pope has no power given by God, but is meant to exemplify the qualities of a good man. So basically mm. that the Pope is the head of the church, should be respected as such, but like he's not like some sort of mystical person. Like he's, yeah. he's a guy. The Pope's a guy. Yeah. Yeah. Again, very, Uh, very reasonable, but this seriously undermines any power that the Pope has uh, back then and today. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, gosh, I've heard Catholics today say these things, and it's not the official teaching of the church, but um, definitely I've heard Catholics say these things. Hashtag cool Catholics. I I have a big love for (laughs) my my hippie Catholics, my cool Catholics. Everybody should follow the hippie Catholic on TikTok and wherever else she is. She is... She's a real one. I I love her dearly. Um, She gets so much shit from every other Catholic else. She gets so much shit from every other Catholic in existence on the internet, except for like a few witches. Um, But she's like, (laughs) she's like the only person that's like really like embraced like veiling and all those like trendy Catholic things that people are doing now. um, And like Latin masses and also like, you know, thinks gay people should get married and stuff like that. Um, and anyway, every nation has its heretics. Every nation has mm-hmm. its protesters. Um, I can say I knew many, many nuns that uh, were pro Oh, well, rights. nuns are notorious for uh, yeah. being awesome. Being, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Spe- so de- he... depending, on, depending on the nun, depending on the nun. Well, yes. Um, <laughs> highly dependent um, on the in nun. In comparison anyway, to, yes. to larger Catholic populations. Yeah. It's just crazy because this is still so the Catholic Church, like this is still so like in a Unitarian space, this is like dogma. In a Catholic space, this is still very looked down upon. Um very much so. And yeah. even I would argue in a lot of Jewish spaces, this is Yeah. Pretty standard fare. Mm-hmm. Like I would say, any reform, reconstructionist, even most conservative, I would say uh, so. Yeah, tools. I would say yeah. these these are not these would not be wild things to say at Oneg. Right. Nobody's gonna be like, "What's wrong with you?" Even open Orthodox, probably. Yeah, um, I mean, Orthodox is so interesting. Um, we could go into this another time because I don't really yeah, get someday it. Someday we will. Some someday yeah. I'll, I'll pull some of these uh, some of these rebbes because they're interesting people. Yeah. Um. So he didn't think that Jesus died to redeem humanity. Um. If he was divine, why didn't he just climb down from the cross? Like, why did he mm. stay up there? 
Um, and if he died, he must have been a person, which is a very like Jewish thing because this is part of our thing. <laughs> yes. Of if if um, the Messiah comes, one of we have a whole list of things that will apparently tell us that somebody is the Messiah, and mm-hmm. um, one of those things is that they will not die. And mm-hmm. so he basically is making the same argument that I make about Rabbi Schneerson, uh, mm-hmm. which is bro's dead so clearly not the messiah <laughs> bro's dead um <laughs> fun fact about authority. we have it on very good authority that he's dead um yes. i just i really love that we have that <laughs> but yes. uh, uh it's but, it's it's down it's down like we can't we can't we, we publicly, are one we have we both um have a direct line to someone yeah. Who has a direct line too? And we've been told we cannot, um, be, which is yeah. fair, because like you know, it would be unsafe for that person uh, to yeah. probably uh, for us to share that publicly. But I will say, yes, we. I will say it did yeah. not change that 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 uh, acquaintance did not change my opinions on the matter. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a it's a, fun, it's a it's a little bit of like a fun, it's a little bit of a fun fact about us. But the the other thing that this is just very interesting is that his analysis or his way of thinking or his cosmology mm-hmm. or whatever just sounds a lot like my, like when I was growing up Christian like uh-huh. this is and this is and specifically you know this is me pre-leaving Christianity and there are a lot of those this is obviously controversial I don't think it should be but it's a little it's obviously controversial there are a lot of those beliefs I still hold, like, mm-hmm. you know, like the idea that Jesus, you know, was not the son of God, for example. Like, I never believed he was the son of God um, as a a born Unitarian going into Congregationalist Church. We can get into what that means a little bit later if it's relevant. But um, basically that Jesus... My 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 belief is that he was a Jew that he never I have a, a inc, I feel like this is maybe more of what I feel like he never actually he never actually left Judaism like he never Oh, I mean re, if you look you at know, the gospels yeah, he specifically he never says left that he Judaism the law. Yeah. Like that I forget which <laughs> gospel it's in. Um but he specifically said he is not abandoning the law. Yeah, so. he was a Jew the entire time. And the only reason I think this is the only reason that he's not one of our prophets as Jews, like he's not an Elijah. It's because of Paul. It's Paul's It's because fault. of fucking Paul. Uh, otherwise he would have been one of our prophets. And if if Paul yeah. hadn't fallen off that damn horse, like imagine. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I how do I don't know. It's like this is just this idea that he's not the son of God, but that he because this whole thing of like him being the son of God totally shadow is a shadow over everything he actually said. Like, yes, you know, like and and if you look at the things he actually said, like they're all pretty straightforward. Well, he was, and, he was and- <laughs> basically he was basically rebelling against both Roman authority and also the authority of the centralized temple. Yeah. Which as now all Jews live under rabbinic yeah. law, um, yeah. which is different. Uh, so I think he would have been yeah. kind of pro that. Um, but I think anyway, he would have been so, pro. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, um, I'm sorry. That was a little bit of a tangent, but I have, I have a deep, <laughs> I seem to have like, I have a deep, uh, this is like a, a very interesting 
person to yes. to learn about. Oh, very uh, much so. As somebody that seconds. was Yes. I, I want to see if I can find the actual books. I wrote a page number and okay. I had done that earlier, but I was like, this isn't that important to get the quote. This is actually a quote I like to find. So give me two seconds to grab the book. Take your do your thing. Okay. My life is a disaster mess. Okay. So I want to read the quote that is the creates the namesake of this book. It's also from a history of science. It's fascinating. Yeah, um, okay. So let's see here. So the cheese and the worms thing has to do with this idea of did chaos exist before the creation, which uh-huh. was apparently a, a sort of hot topic at the time. Okay. In his first interrogation, Minocchio says, I have said that, in my opinion, all was chaos. And out of that bulk, a mass formed, just as cheese is made out of milk. <laughs> and worms appeared in it, and these were the angels. The Most Holy Majesty decreed that these should be God and the angels, and among the number of angels there was also God, he too having been created out of that mass at the same time. Hmm. So, this is hmm. fascinating. Yeah. So, I yeah. So, so, here's, yeah. this, is, this is so exciting. <laughs> so, from a scientific perspective, for a very long time, like, Western science thought that that maggots spontaneously generated in uh. in things. So oh. because we couldn't see that like flies were laying eggs or whatever, uh-huh. so we thought that this was it was called spontaneous re- spontaneous generation. This was an actual scientific concept that existed uh-huh. in Minocchio's time, uh-huh. and so he is applying science to religion and saying okay so it's possible to take milk and kind of like stir it around and cheese forms Mm -hmm. and then if you leave that cheese out these worms just sort of like emerge Uh then so too if we have chaos eventually in that primordial chaos the world will form and why not then also would god just spontaneously form in that moment. Wait. <laughs> I'm like all excited and, and Issa's looking kind of confused. <laughs> I don't think I'm, I'm not there yet. The, I'm not there yet. Hold on. Let me, let me. So is God the cheese or the worms? He's one of the worms. He's one of the worms. Okay. And is he saying that, so then he's saying that God does not spontaneously form that God comes there no the god spontaneous is spontaneously created in the cheese that is so he does believe that maggots like and worms spontaneously come out of the cheese right that was science at the time okay like that was was accepted science Um, i get it it's 1500 it's hard (laughs) but Um, okay so the world comes but then in that case does the world come first and then god comes out of the yes so this is the problem. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But what I love about this is this is very much like how I approach religion personally. Mm-hmm. Is I cannot abandon what I know of the world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one thing I like about my brand of Judaism is it doesn't require me to do so. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it's it's just 
I can't like once I was in a, a like a Bible study thing and we were talking about um I think it was that part of um Leviticus the somebody in the class said it's it's the Dr. Seuss part it's like do not have sex with a cow do not have sex you know in a rowboat do not have you know, I, I just right. did that terribly um <laughs> but it, it's all the stuff you can't do and I made some reference to like well you know it kind of makes sense because you know because if because of x y and z there would have been issues with disease and you know if you're trying to maintain a population you're concerned about those things yeah and the rabbi said not unkindly um you know like let's kind of think about this from a spiritual perspective yeah and i those are the same to me yeah so when i read this part i was like I get this guy. Yeah. Because yeah. he's taking what he knows about how the world works, which now we know is inaccurate. But like, let's put yeah. that to the side. That doesn't matter yeah. in this situation. Yeah. He's taking what he knows about the world and applying it to his religious experience. And mm. I think that is just so cool. That's very cool. And also got him in tons of trouble because then this is suggesting that god isn't the like overarching knowledge like there's all this back and forth about like well is god omnipotent and he's like yeah but like just because he's omnipotent doesn't mean he learned everything at once like he had to learn things as he went right Ooh, i love that (laughs) yeah which is super heretical yeah Um, he also said um that god is air Uh uh-huh as in like the air water air fire water earth Thing, which was also an accepted scientific um, principle thing. of the right. time. And so he isn't all knowing because all could not yet be known because all had not yet happened. So it's like putting God in this. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> cool. I want to follow him I on know. Twitter. I don't even use um, Twitter anymore. And I, I would, uh, I love that. That's yeah, I so keep cool. every once in a while. I keep thinking, like, should we make a Twitter for D-listers? And I'm like, he just ah, he would have made a good, he, yeah, he would have made Twitter. a good rabbi. This guy, he would have made an amazing rabbi. Um, yeah. he also said that masses for the dead were useless. This should be <laughs> familiar to a lot of Protestants, actually. Um, uh-huh. He said uh, we should be concerned about helping each other while we are still in this world, because uh-huh. afterwards, God is the one who governs over souls, prayers, and alms and masses offered for the dead are done as I understand it for love of God who then Mm. does as he pleases because souls do not come to take those prayers and alms and it belongs to the majesty of God to receive those these good works either for the benefit of the living or the dead Hmm. the idea of good works I don't want to get too deep into them but it is an important political thing this idea of do you believe in works or faith um, which Mm. is a big separating factor between catholicism and many protestant Mm. denominations Mm -hmm. um this has changed in the like hundreds of years since then court yeah Um, where exactly those lines are drawn but it it is still still a a very central uh theological argument in christianity yeah yeah so he's talking about works which would have been an acceptable thing because it was this there was this idea that you had to like you had like a like a how was explained to me in uh, the one class I took on this. It's like it's like you had a treasure chest and you had to like just keep adding good works to it. And when you did sins, good works were like taken out. And like when you died, uh, you needed to have more good in your chest than than 
like not uh-huh. a negative. This is you know. wait, this is Catholic or this is not Catholic? Catholic, as I understand it. Yeah, um, the the whole thing is just it's messed up. There, yeah. There, and I don't some- think this is modern. I don't think this is modern Catholic thought. I think this was um of the time. He rejected baptism as a human invention, calling it quote uh-huh. merchandise. <laughs> And an instrument of exploitation and oppression at the hands of the clergy. Damn. At a certain point, he just gave up and was just like, this is what I think. Damn. Damn. Yeah. He, uh, this is a quote. Um, I believe that the law and commandments of the church are all a matter of business and they make their living from this. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Side note, he did, in fact, baptize his children, which mm. actually makes sense to me. Yeah. Because he said he wants to live as a Christian. What he mm. thought, I don't think necessarily impacted his like doing the things that the church required. He, he just yeah, also I mean, wanted he, to think and argue and, and yeah. And he wanted to tear it apart the way we do. This <laughs> um, makes him really this is a really interesting this is in the like the misunderstanding of or like the mischaracterization of like unions as disgruntled mm-hmm. workers that hate their jobs and what you'll hear from them again and again it's no we love our jobs other if we if we didn't love them we would leave them <laughs> like yes <laughs> you know like if we didn't love them we would find some other type of work like if he didn't still if he wasn't still committed to being a christian then he wouldn't be thinking about all this stuff or like exactly in, in, interrogating it in the same way which so I find that so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So another Minocchio quote, uh, you priests and monks, you too want to know more than God and you are like the devil. You want to become gods on earth and know as much as God following in the footsteps of the devil. In fact, mm. the more one thinks he knows, the less he knows. Mm. Which uh, we have a fancy word for now, which I don't remember what it is, but oh, that no. is a... That is a psychological concept, this idea that the less you know about something, the more you think you know. Oh, I'd love to know what that concept is. Yeah, he um, was definitely friends with a Jew. Oh, for sure. <laughs> it's so funny. It's like very clear that he's friends with a Jew. <laughs> Dunning-Kruger effect. That's what it's called. The Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah. I'm, I'm just thinking about one particular person that Ben used to work with who always like whenever like I'm like, man, I haven't done enough today. Like I'm not doing enough. Like I'm just not working hard enough. And he's like, you know who who thinks they're working hard enough? It's the people that are like the most incompetent assholes that are always like wow i've worked yep. so hard i've done so much and like they were scrolling on facebook all day in in the yep. office i i won't i won't say who um yep this is based on an actual person <laughs> yeah yes regarding the priesthood he stated i believe the spirit of god dwells in all of us and i also believe that anyone who has studied can become a priest without being ordained because it is all a business <laughs> so nice. very quaker this idea of god being in all of us yeah um he said that preaching hell is a business which mm-hmm. makes sense right like you mm-hmm. want to keep people in the doors now there's a lot of talk of hell what did he actually think then the opposite of hell paradise was mm. um he said that paradise is a feast the end of work hmm. so that is this very is, much is, connected to that's pe- peasant a, ideas but that's also yeah. how a lot of Jews today, anyway, I'm not sure about in that era, um, envisioned, envisioned the time of the Mashiach um, huh. is. 
but that's also like, that's the yeah sorry wait sorry i interrupted you no no, no go for it that's the uh the kukanya um myth of the the land of kukanya which is oh yeah, yeah the yeah. land of of uh of laziness happiness and lots of food which is why yep. uh people in philly like to climb greasy poles and yep. i'll just leave it at that he thought that the soul and the spirit were different things so the soul mm. dies mm -hmm. um because <laughs> because your soul goes to heaven and heaven isn't permanent because anything that has a beginning has an end so how oh. could a soul be permanent so this is why I love this is this is the science of the time and so like yeah. you have to really get your brain into medieval science yeah, uh, yeah. to yeah. understand Minocchio because it is it is central got it um he spoke out against the use of latin in the courts mm -hmm. because the poor could not understand what was going on and then they had to hire a lawyer yep speaking the truth <laughs> yeah absolutely so surprising none of us he was found right. to be a heretic yes and at risk of spreading his ideas so he was imprisoned uh, which he had already been imprisoned during the trial but he continued to be imprisoned and the condition sounded really really terrible like really horrific. Mm. He begged for and got released in 1586 because he was able to prove that he had reformed. Mm. Um, so he was released from prison, but he uh, could not leave his town and he had to wear a garment with a cross on it that marked him as a heretic. He still nonetheless got some of his social capital back because basically as soon as he's out of prison, he becomes a uh, Camararo again, which is that wild. That was that a again? church admin. That was the church admin. Yes. Which is fascinating. Yes. That's fascinating. Was his friend at that church? I think so, yes. Yeah, cool. He got by by playing guitar, working Aww. odd jobs, because nobody would hire him because he was a heretic. Aww. So because he had a hard time finding work, because he, you know, was marked as a heretic, he would, I love this, he would wear the cross, but he would put other clothing on top of it. Mm. <laughs> so technically he was wearing it right, right. <laughs> but no one could see it yeah yeah definitely um, not legal yeah. but in, yes. a, in the best way he kept asking for exceptions to all these rules like to leave town for work mm -hmm. uh, much of which was granted but he just could not keep his mouth shut <laughs> um oh, so yeah. 1598 he was arrested again and found to be a lapsed heretic oh, 1599 wow. the larger church pushed for his ex execution. And I say the larger church because he was found to be a lapsed heretic and like was found guilty and what have you. And the local church seemed to be like not that interested in him, hmm. but somebody at an upper higher level in the inquisition, like saw the inquisition things. and was like, you need to, you Deal need to this. take care of this guy. Yeah. They pushed for him to be executed. So that's what happened. He was burned wow. at the stake. Wow. Now I mentioned at the beginning that I would have, if, if uh, Minocchio had a cult, I would have followed him. And this was the yeah. fear, right? Not that he would start a cult, but that, like, he would convince other people to think the same things he did. Yeah. That was what was dangerous about him is he was smart and he was charming and people liked him. Um, yeah. But he actually did not have followers. People thought he was a little weird. But he had one follower, uh -huh. this guy named uh, Melicore, uh -huh. who is considered a man of little wit. Uh -huh. He got off with a light penance because he wasn't seen as a risk to others around him, which really shows that this has more to do with power than belief. Yeah, yeah. Because these two men believed in much the same things. But yeah. Pinocchio was dangerous because yeah. he was smart. 
and he had some level of social capital in his community. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. That's Minocchio. Wow. Um, what a guy. And I love the picture on this cover. I didn't notice until after I had read it. It's a picture of a a guy like walking through a field and reading while he's working. That's so which great. Which is perfect. That's so great. I love that. Wow. Yeah. Look at it. So, look at it go. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, so cool. What yeah. a guy. What a guy. What a guy. I'm and also I feel like this is adjusted really my perception ending. of the average like peasant in, mm. you know, the sixteenth century or what have you. Mm-hmm. He had he had a family and stuff, which is part of why he was let go. Yeah. His family mostly abandoned him, which honestly like Aww. I get it. Well, you gotta do what you gotta do back in the day. The yeah, the but this is what from what I understand made this the this book the translation explanation by Carlos Ginsburg or Carlo Ginsburg so radical was there was is because you know we're still very much living in the age of this reigning idea of the country bumpkin that just goes along with whatever the higher power says you know uh, and this this relates back this relates too to like people in rural America today that we you know, city people, especially like the more elite we are, see people who live, who are rural and working class as backwards and unable to think for themselves, which doesn't mean that they're, which doesn't mean I think they're right all the time, but most people are way more complicated than they come across and are just far more. um, And what was really radical about, uh, this and like like you're saying like this what makes this book so exciting the way it was when it was published was it's like you know it's this incredibly rare example that we have that's written down of his report of of what he thought but it r- raises the question of how many other people were out there like him um yeah that who were maybe had, a little smarter about not talking that were right that didn't talk as much as he did but how many other people like him had just completely different ways of thinking about the world and were not the sheeple we imagined them to be right and and as i understand it um and this i will say is based on like some documentary i saw on like the discovery channel or something when i was Mm -hmm. like 18 so this is sketchy as i understand (laughs) there's a lot of these moments in this era of European history that indicate that there was some some other stuff going on yeah. in the like peasant peasant classes, uh, but because a lot of them were not literate, we don't have like we don't know how they have. So there was yeah. all these like peasant revolts that happened that yeah. must have include must have required huge amounts of organization mm. because it's mm-hmm. like you have these like thousand people showing up from all over the different places to one place on the same day and they're doing that without written communication Mm. so something something's going on there and we just have no we have no way of knowing right and that's part of what's so cool about this is that this was the ginsburg found this information on accident i believe Mm. is what he said he was like looking Mm -hmm. for something else right in inquisition files and stumbled across Minocchio and was like, yeah. who's this guy? This is yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, it's so yeah. Um, definitely not what I thought I was getting into, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. The end. So awesome. I, what year was this again? 
Um, well, he died in 1599. Yeah. Um, the other, because the other, the other interesting thing to think about, the last interesting, the last thing I'll say is that this is... It's many decades from, but is it's it's in fact it's centuries away from what we consider exactly like the Middle Ages, but in the grand scheme of things, not too far. Um, well, especially with how slow things happen. Well, especially how slow things are happening, and the Middle Ages, you know, it's not like in in Western Europe, it's not like you know, free thought free expression all the time always party time but people think about the world in many more fascinating weird weird interesting ways than they do after the especially in art and literature than they do after the renaissance um which we see the renaissance as this liberating time when it was i don't know i think it was actually very I think the question very, is, very who is confining. it liberating? Liberating? Who is it liberating for? Yeah, not women. And, I mean, that's always <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> not women or Jews. I'll say that much. Women and Jews not having a great time. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So on yeah. that uplifting note, so uh, where where is my thing? Sorry. Uh, there's wait, all this. Think, ma- yeah. Anyway, there's all this magical mythological thinking that happens in the Middle Ages. That's really fun that gets really squashed by the renaissance and by a lot of things um the inquisition many things what i think is really interesting is looking at jewish thought and jewish art and how they Mm -hmm. carried that on that those traditions on in in eastern europe in a lot of ways and in other parts Mm -hmm. of the world but also it's interesting to think about other isolated communities and how they maybe continued some types of medieval thinking that is not as what does bell say and provincial as we imagine it <laughs> yeah yes um yeah I just that's it. I think it's a lovely yeah. way to end on it so thank you for listening to delicious yeah. history if you enjoyed yourself be sure to subscribe and drop us a review on whatever platform you're listening on huge thank you to april keys for the use of the song misfit from her album mountain view you can find her on all the various social media platforms. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Delicious of History without hyphens. A big shout out to all the folks supporting us on Patreon. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon and get access to all sorts of exclusive content, uh, you can do that. Please do. Uh, yes. The content is stuff like Delish Drabbles, uh, which are little like mini-sodes and yeah. uh, stickers. So many stickers. I've been on a sticker kick lately. Oh, um, yeah. So we would love to have you as a patron of the program. All of this and more can be found on our website, deliciousofhistory.com. Again, no hyphens, just stick it together. Our episodes come out on the first and third Mondays of every month. So the next episode after this one will be coming out on June 19th. Juneteenth. I didn't realize that when I scheduled it. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Cool. And now for an episode-relevant audio drop. For now begins the Inquisition! The Inquisition. Let's begin the Inquisition. Look out, Sam. We have a mission to convert the Jews. Jews, 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 Jews.